0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady. A studio executive has no
0: beliefs. That's the way of the studios.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we're still talking about the NBC series that aired from 2012 to 2013.
0: Smash was also an incredible glimpse at the theater community in the early 2010s, as many of the show's writers, actors, and dancers were played by real Broadway performers with real Broadway cred.
1: But we wanted to go back in time to see how the show has weathered. The show famously didn't land with a wide audience, but can re-watching the series help us understand why? So let's dive in and talk about Season 1, Episode 10,
0: Understudy. Aaron, give us the stats.
1: Happy to, mo. Understudy premiered on April 9th, 2012. It was written by Jerome Hairston and directed by Adam Dernstein. The viewership dipped yet again from the previous week, premiering to an audience of 5.99 million viewers. Songs This Week featured one cover of Kelly Clarkson's Breakaway and two original songs by Mark Shaman and Scott Women. a sort of reprise of Marilyn's very first song in the series, but this time Catherine McPhee singing Never Give All the Heart, and a new song featuring stand-in Christian Borle called Don't Say Yes Until I Finish Talking. And hit us with that synopsis, Mo. Bam, like a bomb shell. <laughs>
0: All right. The episode <laughs> opens with a room of cast, creatives, and investors waiting to start a reading of the bombshell script. Waiting, that is, on Hollywood star Rebecca Duval, who misses playing Marilyn in the reading because she's stuck in Cuba. In Rebecca's absence, Tom, Julia, and Derek come to Karen, telling her that they want her to understudy Marilyn. Many of her ensemblist cohorts giggle with Karen excitedly, but Bobby and Sam note that she's never going to hack it, especially after Ivy breaks her kneecaps. (laughs) Now, Ivy is furious that Karen has been given the job, even though Derek tells her that her outburst at Heaven on Earth means that he can't even hire her for the chorus. Derek verbally assaults Karen in rehearsal, which causes Bobby and Jessica to place bets on whether Karen will cry. But later at her apartment, Ivy shows a moment of kindness and advises Derek that the only directors that were ever successful with Marilyn were the ones who babied her. She continues her rebranding campaign, joining Karen and the ensemblists of Bombshell for apple teenies after rehearsal, and bringing her once rival a pair of Monroe-inspired sunglasses. Back at rehearsal, Derek calls the cast to run the Zanuck number, about Daryl R. Zanuck, producer of All About Eve, when Derek asks, where is Zanuck? Tom replies, you don't want to know, but I'm standing in today. The Steam Room-inspired number is performed full out by Manuel Herrera, Curtis Holbrook, Keith Cole, Spencer Liff, Leslie Odom Jr., Jamin Wells-Santos, Philip Spath, and Wesley Taylor. One run-through, though, seems to be good enough, as Derek gives no notes and quickly moves on to Karen to guide her with kindness. When Rebecca Duval's return from Cuba becomes imminent... Derek shows up at Karen's apartment to thank her for her good work. Not only that, he apologizes to Karen for his behavior back in the pilot episode. When Karen's boyfriend, Dev, sees Derek walking out of their building, the two men get into a sidewalk fist fight. Dev floats the idea that she quit the show in order to avoid Derek, but she argues back, telling Dev, Marilyn is everything I came to this city to do, everything I want to be. She goes to rehearsal next day covering the role of Marilyn until Rebecca Duval shows played by real-life star Uma Thurman. In other news, Frank is still MIA after learning that Julia cheated on him with Michael Swift. Tom's lawyer boyfriend, whose name we can't remember, confronts him about Tom's <laughs> infatuation with Sam. And Eileen's bartender, Nick, connects her with a rock star named Randy Cobra who takes over the investing from three Broadway veterans never be diminished so don't bring me to my boiling point you're just a fraud i own the joint i'm in control you're just a face allow me to cut to the chase i'll make another movie star could someone light my damn cigar and then say yes cuz yes man i'm finished
1: yes. lucky land
0: casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli i guess i uh-huh, hide in my dentist's office
0: Okay, so you asked me at this point how you felt like the show was doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. What did how you mean? It? Okay, so 10 episodes ago, we wanted to do this to see if eight years later, this show was an accurate representation of our business. We're two-thirds of the way through. How do you think it's doing?
0: At being an accurate representation of our business? Maybe not
1: even necessarily like a literal accurate representation, but energy, just. At this point in the show, 10 episodes in, what do you feel like, do you feel like enough rings true or is it just a fantasy show about our business? Like if we, if we, if we found a newbie to Smash and they wanted to know what we thought of the show, what would we say having watched 10 out of the 15 episodes of the first season?
0: I think that it is not a realistic depiction, that it is a melodrama, but it's not a melodrama enough.
1: But is that the show that we wanted when we first started watching?
0: No, I think I was much more pretentious about like, I want a show that represents my community. But is that the show that America wanted to watch?
1: I mean, because that's what's so interesting about watching it now, is that fast forwarding to now, that we just saw like Fosse Verdon, just using Fosse Verdon as an example again. Yeah, We both weren't there like we were for this show. But it feels as though that was closer of a depiction of realism in our business. Energetically, that show feels more true to life than this show does.
0: Is the business able to be romanticized in the way we can romanticize the 70s? You think about the 70s on Broadway Mm. and it was all just like sexy moves and cocaine and like... Flandering men you know like yeah right and like it's much more of a like a business now you know we have all these major corporations in broadway it's just it's just not as like grungy as it was so
1: do you think the over exaggeration was warranted because trusting the business itself Isn't enough for TV the way the 70s was.
0: Fosse is much more about the personalities, right? Like, I think what would make a really interesting Broadway show is if they went like the sort of financial money grubbing producer way, like sort of like money changing hands and back backdoor deals. That's more drama than... Like, but there is an
1: aspect where I feel like they try that with Eileen's
0: storyline. Yeah, but they're trying everything. It's just, there's so many stabs in the dark that happen in this That's show. That's real.
1: That's absolutely and, real.
0: And they go down an energetic pathway for an episode and then back up the following episode. It does feel like they've storyboarded the 15 seasons, but they haven't talked about sort of what the feeling of the show is. Yeah.
1: The one thing that I did think about while I was watching this episode was it felt, on the whole, it felt kind of unfocused. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate because I do think they sort of had an idea of where they wanted to go, but didn't, whether they were responding to viewership or critics or whatever, it sort of started to lose its way. And now the viewers don't really know what we're watching. There wasn't a lot of meat to this episode. Mm -mm. I would agree with that.
0: But having said that, there's a lot to talk about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, totally.
0: (laughs) What were your favorite ensemblist moments in this episode?
1: One of my favorite, which is a continuation of an old one, an oldie but a goodie, if you will. Manny Santos gives you another clean, multiple pirouettes in the middle of the dance number.
0: This is the Zanuck number with Christian This is the Zanuck
1: number featuring composer Tom Levitt. They all do a bunch of tricks or even just jump and land. And he gives you at least three or four pirouettes into an extension into a land that I... Was again, gagging for. He's so good. He's so good. Shout out to Manny Stark-Santos.
0: That number also, to me, felt unfocused. It didn't build in the way well, that I was wanted it. there were some
1: issues with that number. And then I found it so funny that they like needed to work
0: on it, but actually they just... Did it once completely fall out, and they're like, "Great!"
1: And they did it without the actor that it's centered around. A who's the cover for him?
0: Yeah, (laughs) right. Let the understudy go. They've spent the whole episode being like, "Okay, we need understudies."
1: Karen is is the understudy. Understudy, and yet there's no understudy. The only person who needs a cover is apparently Marilyn. Even though we don't know who any of the other principals are, aside from Arthur Miller with no covers, Mm -hmm. Daryl Zanuck. With clearly no covers, unless (laughs) Tom Levitt is pulling double duty. Oh, and they haven't found a replacement for Michael Swift. Oh my god, you're right! See, here we go. These are the holes that take away from the authenticity, which is frustrating.
0: The logic police have no jurisdiction over the journey of Bombshell.
1: But I will say, where it loses its... Authenticity, who I continually love, is Bobby and Jessica.
0: Bobby and Jessica.
1: Bobby and Jessica taking bets on whether Karen's going to get fired or not is so rich.
0: It is the best drama of the show. That's why it's like drama that feels like it's based in reality. Yeah. Versus these back and forth relationships of people in romantic relationships that they don't seem that invested in and that we don't really care about as audience
1: members. The show feels as though... It's unclear on what journey it wants to tell. It's, and
0: it's certainly unclear about how it wants to depict people of the theater. Like, yeah. it feels like it wants to depict us as alcoholics and philanderers and people who put their own careers over any other relationship. And yeah. yet it also wants us to care about these people. Let's talk about Woke Derek.
1: Oh, yes. Let's talk about Woke Derek.
0: Let's talk about Derek apologizing to Karen for his um, improper behavior. It felt like a good plot point to have. Yeah. It didn't feel authentic in any way. And it didn't feel warranted in any way. Like, it didn't. I didn't necessarily understand why he was apologizing now.
1: It definitely humanized him. Whether there was an ulterior motive to it or not, it definitely allowed his leading lady, or his leading lady for the moment, to trust him more.
0: Yeah, and I also... I thought it was completely shocking that he showed up to her apartment unannounced. And I'm glad that the show sort of called him on
1: that. Yeah, but I was Ivy. Exactly.
0: But, but I was like, why do you think it's okay to go to someone's house? How did you get into the building? He loves a good house call, for yeah. sure. Why does he know where she lives? Like, there's so many questions here. But Derek... Maybe his, maybe his conscious was like really rattling him. Or it was
1: more calculated than I'm giving him credit for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But then like, shouldn't the show let us in on that? It doesn't seem calculated. It just seemed like a reason for Dev to catch him coming out of the building. So we could have another fist fight.
1: It's a lot we- of unnecessary action. And hey, Dev isn't part of the business. Maybe this is the passions of not, of, of non-industry spouses. I don't know.
0: And the more that the show goes on, the more we see how nobody cares about what's going on with Dev. Like, yeah. all of the stuff at City Hall, you're like, who, what, why does this matter? And if you're trying to make some sort of parallel between what's going on at City Hall and what's going on in theater, like theater is politics.
1: That parallel got lost. And as his storyline progresses... It just feels more and more forced, which makes me feel like they're just falling apart for no reason. And I can't help but wonder, is this... Because every relationship we've seen on the show that is between someone in the industry and someone not in the industry is going south.
0: Oh yeah, that is definitely an opinion of Smash, is that people in the theater cannot have relationships with people outside of the theater. Because it's showing it time and again. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Rebecca Duval. She's yes. a movie star who has never done live theater. Now, I did some research, as I want to do. Yes. Do movie stars who have never done live theater star in musicals? And the answer is mostly not. We see stars in revivals. We see Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal in Sunday in the Park with George. We see Jennifer Hudson in The Color Purple. Neil Patrick mm-hmm. Harris in Hedwig. Um, Michelle Williams in Cabaret, right? We see we see them where they don't have to develop the show. They come into a show that already works, right? Yes. And when we see a movie star who has never done live theater, it's often somebody that like has, I don't know, is it theater cred? The only people I could think about in the last 10 years were Josh Grobin in The Great Comet, George Takei in Allegiance, and Zachary Levi in First Date. Hmm. Those are the only three sort of movie stars, and Josh Groban is not a movie star, but, but he's a, a but
1: he's a star, he's a celebrity.
0: Who had basically no quote unquote theater cred and came in and starred in a Broadway musical.
1: Did First Date happen before or after She Loves Me? Oh, before. Oh, okay. okay. So
0: this was when he was this was when Zachary Levi was like famous for Chuck and yeah. Tangled, I think. So we knew oh, yes. he could sing. Because of Tangled. Because of Tangled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and George Takei, did he, he didn't sing in Allegiance, right? He sort of sang
1: in Allegiance. He yeah.
0: diet sang, right? Yes. And, and Josh Grobin, we knew he could sing. We knew he's a singer, yes. Right. So this idea that they're pegging this entire musical around this movie star who has never done live theater before to play... It just feels like the the most far-fetched part in a lot of... I feel like
1: it's more common in plays. Sure. Tons of
0: plays. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Everything at Roundabout has a celebrity in it, right?
1: And so I think it's twofold. A, she's a movie star who has never done live theater. And B, I think it's safe to assume through that sentence, she's also a movie star who's never done a musical. Would the
0: show have been better if they would have made the character... A recording artist who had never done a musical because then they get more songs they get to come in jennifer hudson comes in she sings the songs i mean she kills it right yeah. then we get yeah the idea that it's this movie star this like man,
1: i don't know i mean but does- the whole the whole reason for them to cast a non-singer quote-unquote non-life theater person is that she can't hack it and her Understudy has to go on at the end of the day, or 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 that's the risk that we're at this point supposed to believe in, correct?
0: Yeah, but the show isn't showing us that we are supposed to be concerned about the viability of Re- Rebecca Duval to play Marilyn. The only thing that we're supposed to know about Rebecca Duval is that she's famous, and both Ivy Lynn and Karen Cartwright are not famous. Yes, celebrity will sell tickets, but at what cost, Aaron Albano? At what cost? <laughs> All right. Well, special thanks to Aaron Albano for joining us, producing this mini-series. The Ensemblist was produced today by Aaron Albano and me, Mo Brady.
1: To keep up to date with next week's recap, be sure to watch episode 11 of Smash, entitled The Movie Star, a.k.a. Uma Thurman's Grand Entrance. You can find Smash episodes on either the NBC app or on NBC.com.
0: Please help others find out about The Ensemblist by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also download episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at
1: broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. Are you enjoying this Smash miniseries? If you are, let us know. You can follow The Ensemblist on Instagram or our website, where we share stories of talented artists working in Broadway ensembles. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye.